On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we discuss coercive control and the Duluth model's post-separation abuse power and control wheel. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and today we are going to be talking about post-separation abuse, course of control, and the Duluth model, the post-separation abuse power and control wheel. And before we get into that, if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episode, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. And a content warning for this episode as we do discuss physical abuse and sexual abuse as well as sexual coercion. So a content warning there. And when it comes to doing this post-separation abuse episode, in the last couple of weeks there have been some people that I have talked to that post-separation abuse has really been a, a big, big, big issue. And I thought it was time to maybe talk about post-separation abuse again and going over the Duluth model of post-separation abuse and their power and control wheel for post-separation abuse and coercive control, because that's what we are really dealing with here. So I guess I just wanted to really discuss what happens when a domestic violence relationship ends, a relationship that has domestic violence and it ends. And for many people, once that relationship ends, the abuse just isn't over and it transitions to a new form of coercive control, which many people refer to as post-separation abuse. And after the relationship ends, a post-separation abuser still wants to exert control. Uh, When divorcing or splitting things happens, there's a lot of this need to win. A lot of people will encounter that need to win from from an abuser. And there is also a desire to hurt you, especially if you have kids, they want to hurt the healthy parent in, in, in these circumstances. And they might set their sights on the children to exert this control and to terrorize you. And we're going to be going through the post-separation course of control wheel today and touch upon a lot of things that was created from the Duluth model. Uh, But first, I just want to list off a bunch of different abuses that can occur in post-separation abuse, just so you can hear them out loud, even though we won't be going into depth on a lot of them. And these things can be gaslighting, manipulation, lying, lying by omission, telling half-truths, misleading statements, bringing up triggering topics, uh, deception, word salad, circular conversations, altering the past, uh, false stories, deflection, tricking you into chaotic situations, falsifying details, making misleading statements, 
isolating you, targeting you. There will be financial abuse, withholding money, hiding money, ruining your credit, stealing, legal abuse, using the court against you, uh, filing repeated motions, blame shifting, using flying monkeys, smear campaigns kind of asking people around for information about you. There could, be, there could be defamation of character. There could be brainwashing children against you, alienating children from you, spreading rumors, starting rumors, stonewalling, silent treatments. They could be bombarding you with messages, calls, texts, threats, court, threatening law enforcement, threatening to take your children, threatening harm, Uh, making subtle slights. There could be false promises, insults, name-calling, shaming, and there could be still some physical issues that might be going on. There will be bullying, stalking, harassment, counter-parenting, abusive parenting, and just overall intimidation of you. These are a lot of different things, and we're about to go into some of these things into more detail, but you might have heard something in there that you could be going through uh, right now, and I just want you to know that you are not alone, and these things are real, and these things are happening. So the first thing on the list is coercive control and control as a whole. And coercive control is a pattern of behavior that encompasses a lot of different abuses that may be overt or covert in this abuse is based on the need for control by the abuser and is the foundation of most cases of domestic abuse. A course of control includes psychological abuse such as manipulation, intimidation, gaslighting, and isolation. It also includes financial abuse, and we'll get into depth on financial abuse and legal abuse as well, which Oftentimes, the court system is very complicit in coercive control, and coercive control can also include sexual abuse, which does happen in the aftermath in in post-separation abuse sometimes, and we'll get into that a, a tiny bit as well. And, you know, when it comes to coercive control in in the aftermath of the relationship, separating things is, is difficult and control can go on there. But when you have children, it becomes an even bigger issue. It's something that you really can't escape a lot of the time. And the abuser will use this as a weapon. They'll use children as weapons in multiple ways including attempts to harm the relationship between you and your child. They'll belittle you, they'll undermine you, they'll shame you, they'll criticize you. Uh, They could be doing all these things with the kids present and, you know, creating an alienation aspect of things uh, or, or the idea of who you are as a person, kind of like a brainwashing uh, with the children ar- around, and we'll get into that a little bit later. And with this course of control, what they also try to do is you know, challenge your memory, your perception of things while the relationship was going on. And when it comes to course of control as well, a lot of the times they're trying to win you back. And if they're trying to win you back, you might get promises of change, which is a form of control. They might be telling you that things weren't that bad, and they might go through a period where they look like they they might be learning or changing, but it's all part of this course of control pattern 
um, to kind of make you forget it's a manipulation tactic and they're trying to again create like a false narrative to to bring you back into the fold for everything to uh, restart a cycle of abuse once again and you know another part of coercive control in the aftermath is fear trying to get you to feel fear and that can be instilling fear through taking kids away. That can be fear through stalking. That can be fear through harassment, through all different types of threats. And this is a you know a form of control. And these are abuses. And we'll get more into depths on these ones soon. So that is coercive control. And the next thing on our list is counterparenting. And this is a big problem when it comes to post-separation abuse and you are just trying to be a good parent to your child you're trying to be the healthy parent to the child co-parenting is out the door you're trying to parallel parent with the abuser and they are actively working against you so counter-parenting consists of working against you rather than alongside you and you being the protective, healthy parent. Abusers don't mind harming their children if they can harm you in the process. And that is, you know, really disgusting to think about, but that is what happens. And you hear a lot when it comes to counterparenting, they might complicate uh, exchanges, transitions from one parent to the other. They're just making everything very difficult. And this could be with phone calls back and forth. There could be tense phone calls. The facilitation of everything is just really difficult and they're really just doing their best to undermine the safe parents' abilities and their decisions. And sometimes you hear that they deny or withhold consent for child care, medical care, therapeutical needs. And you also hear that they want to impose different values in your children. And that is done a lot of the time out of spite. And they're just going to try and work against you in every way possible. So anything that is in your child's best interest and the healthy and right thing to do, they're just going to start battling against those things in, in every way and just trying to make everything as difficult as possible. And just to rattle off some more examples here, I can't get to all of them, but some examples can be actively not paying attention to schedules to the detriment of a child's routine, uh, maybe tell you about a doctor's or, or dentist appointment and purposely leaving out that it's now at a different location than usual. A lot of not answer co-parenting questions, but rather take the opportunity to falsely accuse you of something new or just attack you in any sort of way. Sometimes they could ask children to lie to you and keep secrets, and they're just refusing co-parenting therapy possibly as well, and just really kind of creating, um, you know, refusing cre the creation of, of mutual goals. And up next is a very scary one. They're all scary, but this is a scary one for so many people. And it is alienation allegations. And 
when you have children with an abuser and you're this post-separation uh, abuse that is going on, a big strategy for them is to say that you are an alienator. It's a big strategy for them when they go to court to make it look like that you aren't the safe parent. So alleging parental alienation is just a very frightening tactic where one parent, the abusive parent, accuses the other parent of uh, brainwashing or manipulating their children as a reason why they don't want to visit the abusive parent. And in cases of domestic violence, this is very frightening because it really puts the children at risk of being subjected to alone time with the abusive parent. And what might unfold in court is scary. So a parent, the healthy parent, might claim that the abusive parent is abusing their children or that they are afraid to visit the abusive parent. And the abuser denies any wrongdoing and instead claims that the abuse survivor is convincing the children not to visit them. And in court, when this happens, the uh, the abuse victim or the abuse survivor struggles to prove that they are not trying to manipulate the children, but it's the fact that the children are afraid of being with the abuser based upon their past conduct or their current conduct and suffering in the home of the abuser. And there was a five-year study done of family court in the United States, and they found that when the abuse victim, who was the actual victim, has stated that there was domestic violence or child abuse that was going on during custody hearings, that when a an abuser actually cross-claimed that parental alienation was going on, the court would just kind of not listen to that at all and in a lot of cases the abuse victim could or did lose custody. So it's a very scary situation and it's a big post-separation abuse tactic. It's, you know, it's done as a legal strategy just to, to cast doubt on the abuse victim survivor's uh, credibility. And unfortunately, it, it works a lot of the time. And the next one on the list is neglectful or abusive parenting, child abuse. So with this one, you know, there could be obviously abuse that is going on. They might want to punish the other parent by abusing the kids. And it might be blatant, but there also could be non-blatant stuff going on, stuff that's very hard to show or prove that could be you know of just a failure to protect the child adequately uh you know when they go out not giving them the proper gear or safety things let's say they're going skateboarding and the abusive person sends them on a skateboard they don't have any helmet they don't have any protective gear they have nothing uh, there could be neglect going on where they just allow a child to watch tv all day during their parenting time it's just neglect is happening and you could hear stories of leaving kids with uh, unchecked childcare, maybe kids who are not old enough to take care of other kids are now taking care of kids. This can be something as simple as showing them unsafe content on TV, things that aren't appropriate for them, 
putting them in these unsafe situations. It creates fear in the other parent that they don't know what is going on in the other household, that their child is being exposed to things, being put into dangerous situations. And then there's also violence, intimidation, threats, and manipulation, and and ridicule to gain the compliance of a child that can be going on. You know that hurts uh, a parent who is the survivor because it, it's hard. It's something that is they can't do anything about once you're in the other home, and it's a it's a form of abuse and abusive parents also place their own needs above the needs of the child when it comes to, you know, being neglectful or abusive. You know, they're not thinking about what's going on with the child. They're just thinking about what's going on in their day and they're kind of neglecting the needs of the child and and, and they can be put into unsafe situations uh, as well through that. And then there are some abusers who will still physically and psychologically or even sexually abuse children. And it's just a terrible situation which can leave a parent, uh, the safe parent, feeling helpless and hopeless and despair. And no words, you know, that I can come up with or other people can come up with can help console the safe parent in these situations. And you are literally being held hostage in so many ways at this time. And so are your kids. And the system is broken in these cases. And I feel terrible for everyone who's going through this. It's not fair that this is going on. And fair is not a really great word for this. It's just, it's just wrong. It's a screwed up system. And, uh, you know, it's frustrating, it's maddening, it's sad, and it's just destructive for uh, everyone that is on the receiving end of this. And it's just, it's just a terrible situation that, uh, you know, abuse survivors and post-separation abuse have to deal with. And the next one on our list for the Duluth model and the post-separation abuse wheel is isolation in post-separation abuse. And that means that abusers work really hard to defame you. They spread rumors about you amongst friends, family, coworkers. You know, in your religious congregations, they might be spreading rumors there as well. And they just want to make you look bad. And they want to make it look like you maybe have lost it. And they may be taking pictures from your social media and then reframing it with captions on their social media, taking things out of context. Uh, Physicians, they might be telling all these things to therapists and they could be doing it to teachers as well to, to really kind of isolate you from everyone. You know, they're really trying to disrupt your support system. And to like really kind of cut you off from people to ostracize you as as best they can. And this can happen with uh, other parents at school. This can happen with people in town. We've had episodes uh, before where people in town's uh, minds got poisoned by the abuser. So these are things that uh, are happening when it comes to isolation. And it's a, it's a form of control and it's a form of uh, post-separation abuse. And up next... We have threats, harassment, and stalking, and we're also going to throw in here a sexual abuse as well. Here, the abuser may continuously call you, 
send you emails, texts, instant messages. They might be really harassing you uh, when it comes to those things not letting up at all. If children are involved, then these messages could concern child-related matters, but their really big true intention is just to interfere as much as possible uh, with your life so you do not have a peaceful life at all. The abuser could be monitoring you. That could be through apps that you don't know that are on your phone. They could have trackers on cars. Uh, They might be monitoring your social interactions, like through social media. They could be checking a lot of those pages and trying to figure out what is going on uh, through like all the different online communication tools. They could have spyware on your phone or your computer that you don't know about. And this can also happen if you have kids, you know, your kids might be spying on you for them. Uh, The kids don't know that that is what is going on, but then they can also put stuff in the kids' backpacks. You know, there's a lot of different ways that they can stalk you and harass you Uh, through the kids and through technology here as well. And then there are threats and abusers will frequently threaten you. And these could be threats of bodily harm. And then they can also be subtle threats and subtle threats can, you know, be a text message that might say something like, it would be terrible if something happened to you. And For a lot of people, that might not be, you know, something they'd say, oh, that's not a threat, but you kind of know exactly what they mean. It's coming off as not being yelled at. It's It might be coming off as a concern of safety to some people, but you know exactly what it means. It's a threat to uh, you and your bodily harm. And also other threats could be of kind of like a blackmail of sexual images, ruining your reputation, your livelihood. They could threaten financial ruin, and they could even threaten to take away your kids, you to stop seeing your kids. A lot of these things, they're terrorizing and intimidating you with these threats, and they could even say that they're going to get law enforcement involved, child services involved. They might tell, threaten to say that you're an alcoholic or a drug addict when you aren't, and these threats are a huge, huge problem. We've done episodes on circular conversations and word salads, and you might be getting these messages with all these things kind of just keeping you in this post-separation abuse for a very long time. And it's it's scary. It's maddening. It's frustrating. It's all of these different things. And then sometimes we even hear stories of sexual abuse when it comes to, you know, threats, harassment, and stalking. And the threat of, you know, I might do this to your child. And it's kind of an extortion. I, you know, I might do this to our child if you don't have sex with me today. That, that, that is a scary situation that someone might go through and they might comply to something like that. They don't know what to do in those situations. It's an immediate threat and it's scary. And these are things that happen. And this is, you know, a post-separation abuse reality that so many of you are going through and it is terrible. And like everything else I mentioned today, it's about power and control. 
uh, you know, getting fear into you so you can comply with what they want, or sometimes they do it just for kicks is that's what they want to get out of you. This reaction, that's what they want to get. That makes them feel powerful and keeping you in active abuse feeds that side of them. And it's hard to make sense of it. And you just want things to be normal. You might be just saying like, why can't this person be normal? And, you know, I feel terrible that so many of you are going through this and and these abusers are just exhausting you and they're taking your time. They're taking your space. They're taking your energy and it's scary and it's exhausting. And I'm just really so sorry to everyone who's who's going uh, through this right now or has been through this before. And up next on the list for post-separation abuse in the Duluth model post-separation abuse control wheel uh, is legal abuse. And that refers to using court proceedings and false reports of child abuse to control, harass, try to bankrupt you. Uh, you know, sometimes they're seeking a change in custody as a means to just continue to have control over you, over the abuse survivor. And this is when a, an, a, an abuser might pretend to be this loving, caring parent who wants to have half the time with their children, maybe full time with their children. But the really the true goal here is just to maintain a continuous way to harass you, to control you, to instill fear in you. And they'll create, you know, false narratives. They'll gaslight you here. And they just want the other parent to lose as much as possible. Here's a situation where it's about winning and you losing and inflicting pain on you and doing so in uh, the, the most terrible way possible, which is using your children. And it's just a lot of mental anguish that can go on, just the thought process of, you know, you possibly losing your children, just the whole idea that this is happening can just take a massive mental and physical toll on an abuse survivor. And they're really going to attack you in every single way that they know how. They'll throw everything at you and try to show everyone that you are mentally unstable. And it's really a a despicable thing to do. And within this legal abuse, what things that might happen, they might, you know, disregard court orders, make false reports. They could be deliberately causing delays in court proceedings and just a lot of different threats while the proceedings are going on. They're going to try and keep you in there as long as possible just to kind of exert their control in any way that they can. And a lot of it is done as revenge, as punishment, and just just a continuous control over you. And the last thing on this list is financial abuse and economic abuse. And this can also have legal ramifications and be in legal abuse as well for some of these instances. But with economic abuse, this may include blocking access to bank accounts, credit cards, canceling all of these things, ruining your credit, failing to follow through on needed payments. Some of these things can be court-ordered payments. And 
They could steal your identity, take out loans in your name. And then when it comes to economic abuse and uh, kids, you know, withholding uh, money uh, for child support is, is a big thing. Sometimes what they might do when it comes to child, they could sign up a child for an activity without paying for it. And then when the child wants to go do this activity that they're expecting to do, uh, what might happen here is now you have to pay for it. And then if you don't pay it, the child is going to be very disappointed and that could then all be blamed on you. You know, we also hear when it comes to kids that sometimes the parent will not work. The abuser stops working. So then all of a sudden they can't make the payments for uh, helping out with the, the children. And that can make the abuse survivor become homeless in, in these situations. They're actively using economics to try and make your life more difficult to possibly um, give you situations where you have very trouble securing, a, a huge problem securing housing. And then, of course, when it comes to economic abuse, taking you to court or doing legal action is going to cost you money, put you into into debt as well. And another form of financial abuse is when it comes to work, employment, career advancement, if the abusive parent is maybe not taking the kids when they're supposed to be taking the kids or they're creating situations that you start to uh, miss work or, you know, are constantly late and, and things along those lines, you know, that's economic abuse. That's affecting your financial well-being and in the long run can cause severe problems when trying to keep a job and keep yourself afloat and put a roof over your head and food on the table. And then other forms of economic sabotage, some people call it, will be destruction of your property. Uh, that can cause economic loss. And that could be something to do with your car, just all different types of things with your property. They might be withholding uh, resources and that can be, you know, dividing assets. We hear a lot on the show that someone is trying to sell the house, that they have no money left. They, they have been destroyed by the whole entire process. And, you know, all we needed to do is sell the house to move on. And they do everything in their power to delay all of that kind of stuff so that house can't get sold. So you're, you might actually go homeless within that time. And then there's just disputes over belongings. And then there's also actively stealing things, refusing to give back items that belong to uh, their survivor that could damage you know, their financial ability going forward. And that can be things like uh, expensive paintings, cars, things along those lines that those things uh, are needed, that they're really actively working against you and they're, and they're not giving it, giving it back. And that can be considered uh, stealing. So these are all of the main points here on the Duluth model when it comes to the post-separation abuse and uh, the power and control of post-separation abuse, coercive control. And some of these things are, are relatable if you do not have children at all and how they're still trying to 
keep you in this post-separation abuse. And this happens um, a lot when it comes to the harassment and, and the stalking and the splitting of properties in the divorce process and the, and the legal abuse. But, you know, a big chunk of this is when you do have children as well and how children are these innocent pawns in, in, in their life and uh, how they're being used. And it's just a terrible situation for everyone. And I'm sorry for everyone who has to go through through this, who's going through this right now. It's not fair at all. And the system is not working with you in, in these situations. In a lot of cases, they're actively working against you and abusers and abusers' lawyers know exactly the ins and outs of the system of what to do. And it's a really broken uh, system when it comes to post-separation abuse and more help is is really needed when it comes to this. And, you know, the people at One Mom's Battle, Tina Swithin, is, is a big... Um, a big voice in this and is trying to uh, do her best to help. And I encourage everyone to go and check out one mom's battle, as well as the people at custody peace who are are doing their best to help in this as well. And of course the national coalition against domestic violence and, and the laws that they're trying to create. And and this is just a, a broken system in a lot of ways. So I just wanted to, do this episode to kind of just point these things out to hopefully make you feel a little bit less alone while you're going through this and to understand that these types of things are still abuse. And if these things are going on, um, you know, and everyone in our community is just sending out um, our our biggest hugs in support for you uh, right now. And that is it for this episode on post-separation abuse. And if you wanted to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. At the top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. Also at our website, we have a support group. So if you need support, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com, top of the page, press the support group button, and it takes you to our very own safe social network. And there you will see that we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night, Thursday afternoons, and Saturday nights. And we have forum boards for you to post on, for you to get the validation that you need, and to also give validation to other survivors just like you. So if you need support, join our support group today. And if you need even more support, please do visit our friends at DomesticShelters.org. And at DomesticShelters.org, they have articles and resources to help you make sense of what you are dealing with. And they have every phone number, email address, and website address for agencies and shelters. No matter how big or small the town you are in, DomesticShelters.org has it there. And we also have a new friend to the show and it is a place called shelter movers and shelter movers helps survivors of of domestic violence transition to a better and safer life it's a right now just a canadian company but they're looking to be going into the united states as well and is a volunteer organization and it's a donor supported charitable organization and what they do is they help coordinate 
moves for people who are getting out of domestic violence and they set up storage as well. And that is, you know, finding homes for your animals in the meantime. And that's just not pets. It's also livestock as well. It's a wonderful organization and we're going to be doing an episode with them uh, very soon. And you can reach them at sheltermovers.com to check out more about this wonderful organization So that is it for our show today. I hope this episode was uh, informative for you, and I hope you have a good night.